Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. But I pray in the name of Jesus, you would help us as we get into your word. Truly, you said it's the entrance of your word to bring his light and life. I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine bright in here. I thank you, Lord, for thinking through this mind, speaking through this mouth, that the words of my mouth now and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer. Every glad and happy heart say amen. Okay, uh, good morning. How y'all feeling? You're looking awesome. I'm going to jump. We're going to be spending our time in Ephesians 4, somewhere between... Seven and sixteen. We'll be kind of jumping around through that particular text to conclude our our We Are Family series. College students, I just also want to say um, welcome. I'm glad you're here. We want to care for you. If you're here from another state uh, and you have a home church, we will put you under our watch care to see. Pastor Delvin or Pastor Jerry or Selena or Christian or Akin or a Jew, Lucy. It's all kinds of names uh, of people who are just walking around here waiting to serve you. Okay, here we go. You know, I've been thinking about a few things as we bring ourselves to a conclusion in this uh, message. And I was thinking about how lonely everybody really is. I've been thinking about how we are capable as human beings of being in a crowd, yet still being alone and isolated and locked into that loneliness. And I wonder to myself, is there a cure for loneliness? Is there like a loneliness pill? is there an uh, a antidote for purposelessness? And I was, I was wondering how we could so consistently and readily walk in a fog and be in that fog and yet tell ourselves it is sunshine. Um, no matter how hazy the day, it's almost as if, you know, sometimes when you're sick, but you're unwilling to say, hey, I'm sick. I don't want to give the devil a place. No, you sick, man. Face that. You're coughing. You need, you need medicine. Um, something has happened to us where, where we, 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 we're, we're unable to articulate the truth about loneliness. Why? Now, the statistics would suggest that of the three or four generations I might mention, um, for instance, the current generation, I think it's called Generation Z, that's all the way up to, I think, 18 or 22. They're the most lonely. So out of uh, 80%, if 80% was 100, they would score uh, a 50. And they would score the highest. And, the, and I'm thinking to myself, how could this generation be feeling the most lonely when it seems like they got the most money, the most education, the greatest amount of freedom and access, yet 
Now, now here's what's surprising. You know who the least lonely generation is? Anybody who's um, uh, uh, or a boomer or, or a GI, that the, the, these people are 65 or 72. And above. Wouldn't you think? Somebody said, whoo, okay, pray. Yeah, we love that gray head. We love that. That's nice. You got to look at the sweet, too. Um, isn't it funny, though? What you would seen if you get to the end of your life, that loneliness will become the narrative, not in the early part of your life, and, 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 and yet this, this thing exists. I've used this phrase that um, all the time, and I use it all the time during We Are Family, like, we're better together. But I don't know that every time I say we're better together if I really mean that. I don't know. Sometimes we, we say the right stuff because it's the right stuff to say, but we don't really mean what we said. Because the reality is, it's easier seemingly alone. You don't have to train nobody. You don't have to, to fight with another set of ideals. And living kind of like with the appearance of being in a group and being together is almost as is satisfying enough not to actually really participate with the image we portray. Is anybody feeling this so far? And, 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 and the thing is that no matter how many times someone offers us an alternative um, conclusion, or community, something on the inside of humanity appears to me to become awkward. And it's like when, when I ask people about the moment uh, when we put the stickers on, come on, don't make yourself a church. You know, we do all that stuff. And, and I asked a few people, how do you feel about this? It's the most awkward moment in church. And it's why would we come, it's not like we came to a sports arena just with ourselves. It's like you came into a body of believers, but yet everything says, don't bother me, please. <laughs> Do you ever notice, I guarantee you right now, don't, don't judge yourself on this, but if, you, if I come into a room or a movie theater or anything, I'm not sitting right next to anybody. The rule is at least a seat, at least. Because then I got to spend the whole time making sure my knee, my thigh don't touch you. It's too much work. I, my abs are not where they should be to be holding my leg, my knee that, that, that long. <laughs> it's just the truth. And the real reality is, no matter what the, mon, uh, the, the marquee says about family, really what I'm saying back to the marquee is, I'm okay. 
how I am, where I am. And in fact, I'm glad that this is like the last one. And it's not because I don't like it. I just don't like people invading my space because I only like to appear that it's better together. I didn't actually want to be together with you. <laughs> That's too much work. It's okay. Because I feel like the scripture today naturally deals with the unsaid in the human heart. Natural, it just naturally deals with it. And when you go to e Ephesians 4, and, and, and if I was just to just take, j just put that up and just read the, read the, the first 7 to 11. Watch this, when you, you read it. You, I, you know, when you read it, I want you to start sensing God, the Holy Spirit, giving you the answer to that tension. Is there a cure to loneliness? Is there a cure to purposelessness? Is there this thing that's better together that, I'm say, that, I, that I can say but I don't actually want to do? Is there, is there become a narrative in the Scripture that deals with it? Read this together. Put it on the screen. Okay, one, two, ready, read Okay, stop right there. That's good. That's good. You can, you can just take the scripture down. I, I have probably misunderstood this scripture for a great portion of my life. And, and when I thought about the measure of the gift, I, I didn't understand. The first thing you have to understand is, is what the gift is. It's a gift of grace. It's like it brought me right back to last week's message. But the gift of grace, you have to kind of, you know, the gift, a gift may cost you nothing, but it costs the giver something. And, and if you, the receiver, don't at least show appreciation for what it costs the giver, it's almost, you know, it just stings a little bit. What is it that he descended but first he, he, he uh, the one who ascended first descended and in, in other words what is he trying to say Jesus had to obtain the grace that he's metering out or extending to us this is an important feature that I believe gets missed in church and the secret to all our loneliness the first thing we know about our Lord and Savior is God the Word he said, let us make man in our own image. He's always been a family. He's always been a uh, community. It's always been God the eternal son, God the eternal father, God the eternal. It, it, it's, it, it, he's always had community. And love said, the Bible says when we were, that the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life. And, and, and the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his son. So the word, the eternal son, became flesh, 
And what did he do? He obtained something on that cross. He obtained eternal salvation. But let's slow down because it may seem like he doesn't know how to deal with the tension I told you about, loneliness. Sometimes it's hard to get or give what you haven't ever had. And Jesus had community. Jesus had family. Jesus was restoring us to something he intended for us to have, which was family. This is what one of the things that grace is providing you with. The Bible says when he, think about it, when he was in the garden, he wanted some people to pray for him, but he couldn't find anybody. He said, why don't y'all pray for me? He, he understands loneliness. He, on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He understands that feeling of isolation. But when he was finally died on the cross, I want you to notice some of the first things he did. He went to the lower parts of the earth, and the Scripture says he led captivity captive. He preached to those who were un under the earth. I don't have time to go through that. You have to read it in Luke. There's paradise, and then there's Hades. They're kind of connected. You can see it. And then when he died and made a way out of no way, he got those who died in faith of the gospel, faith of the, of the grace, and he took them. But when he led captivity captive, you got to hear this. You got to envision a person who's coming with the cure to loneliness. When he led captivity captive, everything that's holding you back from every promise of God, he defeated it. He, he, he in other words, the enemy had the right to this world, the right to contextualize what should happen in this, in this world. He took that authority back under the earth. He took that authority back in the earth. He took that above authority back. The Scripture says, high above the heavens of the heavens, and so that he would be all in all. What is the grace? The grace is God's undeserved favor to bring you into community and family with him for all eternity in love with great benefits that lasts eon after eon, and they cannot be taken back. What is the grace? It's a gift that cannot be returned. It may be one thing for, for you to say, I'm giving you some temporal grace. He's giving you, the Scripture describes it as eternal grace in his power. So what does he make? So, so here's a statement I came up with. He got it so you could get it. He got it. He gave it. Whenever he got it, he gave it. The context of the Scripture is the moment that he received the grace, he started distributing it. The moment. It wasn't, it wasn't like a delay. The moment he received the grace, the goal of the death of his life, he started handing out to you all of the benefits and me, all the benefits of that grace. He started measuring it out little bit by little bit. He's giving you what you need. Verse 11 shows us that when God gives us something, it's our opportunity to either comprehend what it's for or misappropriate it. What did he give? Read verse 11.
it seems as if he knew he knew how to cure what we were going through. He knew the very community and family that he was searching for, that he was trying to restore, you needed it. He knew that the grace was not just you and I being connected to him, God the Son. That's only one-dimensional grace. That is not the full measure understanding of the grace of God. You needed community. And in order to maintain this, he knew that we were prone to wander. He knew that we needed uh, some stability. He knew, knew, we, knew we needed a community to come to. He knew that we needed structure and order. So he gave us gifts through the grace. The gifts were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. You know, those apostles, they initially set up the church. They initially established elders. They did the initial evangelistic work. They laid the foundation. The Bible actually says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. It's like what Pastor Rice is. He's an, an apostle. And Pastor Jim LaFoon, he's a prophet, one who foretells or foretells what thus saith the Lord in the past or, or in the present or the, in a future context. These gifts begin to work together to provide you and I with a house and provide you with a structure. Then he says he wants everybody to be in that house. And so he gives some evangelists. For what? So that everyone will know that this grace is for every man in the world. Why? Because Titus 2 says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to every man. So he gives you evangelists. And what the evangelist does is goes out and says, this grace is available to you. For by grace you can be saved and come into the house of God. So an evangelist is one who's gifted to go out and compel others to come in. Then he gives some pastors. And these pastors, kind of pastors, teacher, personality. Some of the, uh, of the commentaries say these words really go together. The pastor is there to shepherd you, to lead you, and to guide you, and to, to help you, to nurture you, to care for you, to worry about your family, uh, even your finance, your, your fruitfulness. The, the pastor is there to actually leave the 99 and go after the one, somebody to stand in the gap for you. There, everybody needs a pastor. It's a gift. But if you do not view apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers as a gift, you might actually despise the gift. All they want to do when you go there is tell you what to do, telling you something, how to spend your money, how to spend your time, what to do with your talent. And the enemy will prevent you from getting rid of your loneliness and your purposelessness. And instead of saying you're better together, he'll say, no, you're better as an American with the free will to do whatever you want to do, how you want to do it. And that doctrine will start um, shaping your life more than his doctrine. He says he wants us to have this for the equipping of the saints, or the unifying of the saints, or the more maturing of the saints, or the perfecting of the saints, not the perfection, but, the, but this, he's bringing you into clarity that without this grace of God active in your life, without this oversight or community of believers, without this spiritual family, he has no other solution for you to kill the void of loneliness. The job of these leaders 
is to keep you foundationally connected with Christ and make sure you have historical unity with those believers before you the, and the doctrines of the Bible, and we believe it together. He says, the reason I'm doing this is so that you can be a strong man. The Bible says he want, the reason he defeated the enemy and led captivity captive and gave you gifts is so you can go on to maturity, so you can be strengthened in every way. Here's the challenge. Is it no matter how clear God has been on this, there is a narrative that seeps into the church that tells you it's unnecessary. How do I know? Because remember, the generation 65 years, 72 years old, is the, the generation that feels least lonely. But they have a unique characteristic about them. They statistically spend the most amount of time with God, the most amount of time within the community of believers with God. And yet they... So they're not using, trying to see how they can fulfill purpose. Being in the community of believers is giving them purpose. What can we learn from that generation? So we've got more power, more money, more loneliness, but they've, they have historically stayed within the covering of what God has set up, and they're finding fruit. We are finding American independence and in, in lessening our involvement with church and the community of the believers and lessening our, uh, our, our effectiveness, or we can't cure that sickness of loneliness, and it's cured within the family of God. He says he doesn't want to, he says until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to, the, to, to a mature manhood, to the measure, the fullness of the stature of God, you need the structure that God provides in the church community, a church family, until we all fully get it, until we all fully grow up. And, and, what he's, and then he shows you later that there's an enemy out there for you. Just read, put 14. He says, so that we may no longer be children. He wants us to grow up. This word children is remaining a three or four-year-old. He wants us to grow up. You know, children still pout. Children still say, well, I don't have to do that. Children still make faces. Children have a lot of complaints. Mature grown folks know you to, 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 to eat, you must work. To have community and have friends, you must show yourself friendly. To gain a spiritual foundation, to be functional with Christ, and to fulfill your mission in Christ, you need a church family. You cannot do it without it. And I know there's a narrative out there that says, yes, you can. I watch Jake's on TV every Sunday. Jake's on TV is on, on the internet is, is not a faith community. It's a faith supplement. That means it is beneficial. But it is not the essential foundational thing that he's given you by his grace to cure your loneliness and purposelessness. 
He says, this makes it even clearer, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitfulness. It's like, what? The church prevents you from becoming satanic merchandise. The church prevents you, your church family, the grace he's given you, the structure he's given you, the gifts of people he's given you, the, 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 all of this that they equip you for, all of this foundation that the church is designed to lay helps you not get tricked. Is God real? God's not real. You got to stay in church. You cannot be in a school that discredits creation elevates evolution and think it won't affect you, but you've not stayed in the environment that speaks about your, your biblical narrative long enough. The, the average person prays five minutes a week. I know. The average person comes to church every three weeks. The percentage of people who, who contribute to to the church, 10% of their income is, is in the teens. And it is, it's as if we're interacting with a dinosaur when we look at church uh, juxtaposed against culture, when in reality we're looking at the cure for the brokenness in society and the brokenness in the human heart and the detachment of the detachment when we don't know when we're hurting other humans. And we don't, when you stay connected, we, the church keeps you humane, keeps you sane, keeps you knowing what the will of God is. It, 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 it keeps you alive. And, 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 it's, and, and the thing is, it keeps you from being tossed by every wind. Well, they say there's aliens on Mars, the Bible's not real. I don't care if they find a Martian. <laughs> he created the universe. The first grace that I talked about when he went to the lower parts of the earth, the earth, he went above the heavens of the heavens. It's to let you know it doesn't matter what you find out or don't find out or believe or don't believe or what conspiracy goes to your mind. He's God of it all. And the grace God says, he believes you're valuable within it. And he's giving you gifts of men that give you a structure in a home so you and I can feel safe. You know what I love about the pastor is every pastor should have a covering. And those coverings got elders. So we got apostles, then we have prophets, then we have elders, then we got pastors. We've, 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 got, we've got everything that Jesus has given us in the scripture that says this is the grace that will cure the loneliness, cure the purposelessness. So I say to you, I'm going to end with this little scripture here. Rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Every joint it is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What, what is all of that really saying? If you only thought that the power of grace 
flowed through Christ alone, that wouldn't be enough. If you only thought that it flowed through the apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, it wouldn't be enough. But he's saying this grace flows through the entire body in every single joint, and every, everybody has something to supply, but it can only be supplied when it's connected. You have a grace you have received and you give it. How do you know that what you received you're supposed to give? Because the moment that Jesus received the grace, the victory over death, hell, and the grave, the Bible says the context of the, of the, of the, of the Greek words is he received and gave at the same time. That the same time he was receiving the grace, he was giving the grace. If you only in an environment, in a spiritual family environment, where you're, where you're receiving and you're never giving, you've received something, beloved. You must give something. Every joint supplies. You won't feel alive. You won't feel connected. You won't feel sig significant. If you excuse yourself, I excuse myself from the opportunity to be a full version of what Christ has died to make available to us, every joint supplies. So when you go out today, you might be wondering how you can act differently or live differently. I, I, I've got the solution for you. Start by understanding if you've received the grace. And if you have, you should be rooted and planted in the house of God. And you shouldn't just be um, there as a, a, um, a person who's getting water, but a person who's providing fruit. Every joint is supply something. You may say, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what I have to supply. That's why the church is set up to equip you to do the work of ministry. Our vision of this church is this. If you wanted to ever know our vision statement is this. Minister to everyone and equip everyone to minister. We are trying to minister to you, but that's not good enough. We've got to supply one another. So when you go out there, here's the temptation. Just, oh, our church has tables. That's so cute. Look at these signs. Oh, I want a coffee ministry. Oh, oh. Then leave church. Oh, they, you know, they're still up there. I hope those people who need it get it. And you're going home with the sign that says, we're better together. We are family. But I'm not participating. I beg you. I don't command you. I don't force you. I don't even want you to feel overly bad because the grace makes you feel so good until you do it. That's how God works. When we don't get it right, he just keep pouring in grace until you say, man, he's just too good for me not to participate. But in terms of our stewardship together, man, if we would stay connected as a church, then all these invisible lines, you can't see, they're invisible. They're connecting us. You should not live in isolation and be a part of a body of believers. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you as we dismiss Ministry team, you can come down. Ministry team is going to be here for anybody who's new to Bethel or doesn't know, um, you don't know the grace of God or you don't have community. But really, our, 
our altar moment again is for you to go out and be a church community. If you're not connected to anybody, stop anybody with a blue shirt on. Say, get me connected. If you end up connecting with somebody that you don't like, you can tell them. That's not, you know, you say, you know, you, that's too far from me. It's a, that's not the vibe. Can you help me get connected to something else? That's how we roll around here. Don't, don't ever be, you know, that's the thing that prevents people from getting connected is control. You're not somebody's permanent disciple. Like if you, if you, if you don't have chemistry with somebody, you got to learn how to just articulate that. It's like going to the barber chair and they're cutting off too much, but you don't want to say nothing. You don't want to offend the barber. Your hair is messing up. (laughs) Speak up. You got to say something to the barber or they'll just keep cutting it off. I didn't want it that short. You should have said something. And all you do is not go back to that barber who might have been the best barber in the city, but it was our inability to communicate. I beg you in this We Are Family series to understand the grace that was given. And it wasn't given to control you. It was given to cure us. This grace, the Bible says, we need it until we come into the, to a, to a full-grown man. We're going to need it until we're the fullness of Christ. In other words, you're going to need this your whole lifetime. Your whole lifetime. Don't go without it. If you're the only person who has a burden for your life, you are already in trouble. If you're the only person who has a burden for your life, and I ain't talking about your mom and your daddy. Your mama got to love you, but then she don't have power to do everything you need. If they're the only people who know you, it's not enough. I beg you, get connected. As I pray and dismiss, there's three things I want you to know. One, stop in our life group tables. Get connected. Two, if you need salvation or prayer for anything, we're here for you. And finally, I'll be over there at guest reception with some of the other a guest central with some of the other pastors and leaders. I'd like to meet you if you're new to Bethel. I'm going to pray, but I'll see you this Wednesday night. I pray that this many people come to church because I would never invite a comedian to this church if I didn't think that they were holy, they knew God, and they were actually funny. You don't want to miss this guy. He's going to be crying. Lord, I pray that you would bless us, keep us, lead us, guide us. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you. Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world.